Hello everyone and welcome to another brand new episode of the Motivation Burrito. I'm your host Melissa and I just finished chowing down on some very awesome dinner. I had southwestern style chicken with a little bit of penne pasta which I haven't had in such a long time and then I seasoned my pasta with like a little bit of a Cajun spice to give it a nice kick and um even though my mouth is burning a little bit still because it was a little spicier than I intended it was still a very delicious dinner and I'm super excited because now I feel perfectly stuffed and I um am back to almost the 25 pound mark um after I hit the 25 pounds I did a little did a lot of cheating And basically what happened was in the time that I had taken off from the podcast, it was also the time I had taken off from exercising. I was still trying to eat better and keep my meals as proper as possible. But man, was I snacking on some cookies like nobody's business and cookies are my downfall. They are what I eat. When I stress eat and emotional eat, um, that and some fries. So needless to say, I ended up gaining a little bit of that weight back. I still stayed within like the 22 to 23 pound loss range. So it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't ideal considering I was like well on my way to 30 pounds down. I think I had hit 26 and a half pounds at one point, almost 27. So I probably could have done it had I been a little bit more diligent the last couple of weeks of December. But when you put four months of pressure on yourself to hit a goal, and I don't, I don't want people to think that I completely deprived myself. I didn't. I actually had days where I would have that snack that I was craving or have the cookie that I was craving. There were days where I would emotional eat, but I would also exercise to help with my stress. So there was really no depraving. There was no fad dieting. There was no like super major restrictions. It was just I ate what worked for my body And what works for me when I'm trying to lose weight is high protein, low carb. So I was still having my carbs. I was still um, keeping my meals high protein. I was eating my veggies. And by veggies, I mean like basically peppers and asparagus. And um, I don't really do too many vegetables. So you won't find me like high in the veggie section. But I was eating basically like whatever is you know good to me or whatever I like to kind of keep that balanced plate um but as I was losing the weight I didn't even have cravings for carbs like I normally do like I had completely cut out bread for almost three months at one point because I just wasn't craving it anymore like my body was actually okay with having the higher protein leaner meats, protein shakes, like all of that was working for me and it was fine. Um, 
But when the stress started piling on, the emotions started piling on, that's when I just went full, like, shut down and shoved my face with some cookies and some ice cream and all the things that I shouldn't be eating. Um, so that's what caused, you know, that, that plateau that I had experienced the first time around when I hit that, like, 20-pound mark and I couldn't get it under that number, it was because I was just stress eating on top of just putting so much pressure on myself. So what I mean by the pressure that I put on myself is that I was so unhappy with myself. I was so unhappy with the way I looked that I really wanted to look a certain way. It, was, it wasn't even about feeling a certain way anymore. It was about looking a certain way. And I put this insane amount of pressure. I put this perception, this goal that I had to hit. And I was like, 25 pounds down is going to make a world of a difference in how I look. And it did. Like, it absolutely did. There were, when I posted my pictures for New Year's Eve, one of my friends had commented and he was just like, bro, you, you basically look like you took a picture and you were just like, yeah, this happened. Yeah, this is how I look. And yeah, this is what I did. And even though that wasn't the intention, when he said that, I was like, that's actually pretty funny. Um, but I still personally didn't look the way I wanted to look. And because I, I had plateaued for so long and because even though, again, I looked a hell of a lot better, like a, there's 25 pounds off of you is a lot. And especially when you're a small person like I am, I'm five feet. So 25 pounds off of a five foot person is a tremendous difference in your body composition. Um, I think it was 7% off my body fat. And my BMI went down, I want to say about seven points also. So it's significant numbers. And when you're talking about inches off your waist, I think I was, I think I lost five inches off my waist too. So the numbers are there. It's proof that there's a dramatic difference between where I started and what I looked like on New Year's Eve. But for me, because I had this idea in my head of what I wanted to look like, and I had this idea and picture in my head of what I wanted to see when I looked in the mirror, I got to the point where I just gave up because it was like, I don't think I'm going to do this. I can't do this. And I don't want to restrict myself anymore. I want my cookies. Give me my cookies. And again, I was having like my sweet treats every once in a while. I wasn't completely depriving myself of them, but I was very mindful about what I was putting in my body. But I got to the point where it almost felt like it didn't matter. It felt like nobody was going to see me anyway. I wasn't going to take pictures of myself anyway. And it's not like I could go out because we're still under restrictions. We're still in a pandemic and you know, there's curfews in place, there's restrictions in place, there's capacity limits in place. 
the restaurant business is suffering. And even then, even with restaurants being able to open and have that limited capacity, not everybody feels comfortable going outside. And a lot of my friends fall into that category of not feeling comfortable enough to go outside and sit in a restaurant for, you know, three hours with people that may not be as cautious as we are. And even as cautious as we have been, as cautious as, you know, my friends and family have been, as as cautious as everybody I know in my circle have been, there are people that I know that still tested positive. There are people that I know that still got it. And, you know, some of them had mild symptoms. Some of them had a little bit more severe symptoms. But regardless, as cautious as you are out, out there, not everybody that you come into contact with is as cautious. And that's what you got to watch out for. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is that it's not about you and what you do. It's about what other people are doing. So you could be taking all the steps, wearing your mask, you know, hand sanitizer in your pocket at all times, um, coughing and sneezing into your sleeve. And then, you know, like, again, hand sanitizing, washing your hands, doing the whole 20 seconds, um, super protected, you know, washing your clothes as soon as you get home. You could be taking all the steps to make sure that you are safe. But if somebody else outside isn't doing those same measures and you come in contact with that one person, with that one, one person that just didn't like take those same precautions, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. And unfortunately, that's what happened with quite a few people that I know. They came into contact with one person one person that was different um so yeah so it's been you know just a very stressful time and all the things that I was looking forward to for especially for New Year's Eve you know it just couldn't happen because I had to self-isolate again I had come into contact with somebody who ended up you know testing positive so you never know when it can like knock on your door basically so new year's eve we didn't have anybody over um new year's eve i still dressed up though because after all the work that i had done to lose that weight i felt like i needed to reward myself by dressing up and at least feeling good for the day which i did but then i didn't (laughs) Like, I dressed up, I felt good, I did my makeup, and yet I wanted more. So, I um, basically came to the conclusion that, like I said, I was just putting an intense amount of pressure uh, on myself. And so, I was talking to my friend about this the other day, and I said, for the next couple of months, I need to change the tone. And... I need to take the focus off the number on the scale and the number on how many pounds I lose. And I want to shift the focus to how I feel. How am I feeling in my body? Am I still feeling like I'm at my peak or at my top 
physical shape? Do I feel comfortable in this body? Do I like what I see in the mirror? Do I feel confident? Do I feel, you know, sexy? Do I feel like I can take on the world? And if I don't feel that yet, I know I still have work to do. So currently, while my confidence is coming back, I still don't feel comfortable in the way I look. And a perfect example of that is yesterday. Um, I went live with a fellow podcaster and he did a featured series on his Instagram and I went live and it was like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, you know, just us chatting about the podcast, about what my mission is, like why I started it and all those things. And I watched the replay and I was like, oh my God, is that what I look like? And I know that they tell you that the camera adds like 10 pounds, but I don't know if it was the camera or the angle or a combination of the two or whatever it was, but I just still did not like the way that I looked. And as I'm watching this replay, I'm like, why? Like, oh God, who let me put myself on camera? Who allowed me to say yes to this? Like, that is not how I wanted people to see me. And then I realized that even though it was like 20, 25 minutes outside of my comfort zone, people needed to hear it and people were still inspired and people were still commenting and I even got a couple of new followers just from being on for 20 minutes and the work it it just means that I need to keep going you know it just means that the work isn't done yet and I want to get to a point where not only do my listeners hear me and hear my message and hear my podcast I want to get to the point where they get to see me where I can post videos on YouTube where I can post videos on Instagram and they can see the person who is becoming their best friend they could see the person who's there for for them see the person who's been inspiring them and motivating them and encouraging them and just holding the space for them so I want to get to that point but that's internal stuff that's that's all stuff that has to come from the inside and it's got to come from me doing the work for myself which that's my intention so I told my friend that for the next couple of months it's about how I feel and not so much about how I look even though how I look plays into how I feel the ultimate goal is to feel strong confident, powerful, and yes, even like fucking sexy. That is, who doesn't want to feel that, right? So that is my intention for the next couple of months. And we'll see how that translates in my weight journey and, or my weight loss journey, I should say. So I'm super excited about that next phase of my life. And speaking of other next phases of my life, I took another plunge and joined a dating site again. I think I've mentioned this like way early in my podcast, how 
I had completely deleted all dating apps and I just didn't want to deal with them because I mean there I've had experiences with dating app like there's been some positive experiences uh some negative experiences like I had a catfish situation thankfully I never met the person but um they were using photos of a popular Instagrammer and they just weren't honest and I was just like okay like that's I, I told you from day one just be honest and the fact that you can't you don't even feel comfortable in what you look like like that's a problem that I already have I mean we don't need to be two people in a relationship who are not comfortable with how they look and also honesty is a huge deal for me so after that catfish situation I pretty much deleted all my dating apps because I was just tired of the runaround I was tired of the games. I was tired of the dishonesty of people having bare minimum on their profiles, not being able to hold conversations, not having real conversations. Like there was just a laundry list of reasons why I shut down my dating apps. And I was fine with that. Like I was happy with that. I lived my life single for like the next year. Um, If you've been listening to my podcast, you know that there was somebody recently in my life who kind of changed the tune and made me want to actually be open again and have that emotional connection with somebody again. And even though that scenario didn't work out, I realized for 2021, because 2021 is all about goal setting and intention setting, that this is still what I want. Like I want, I want this year to be about feeling like home and feeling like home means home within myself, home with a partner or significant other, home in a physical space. Like I want to actually get my own place, like either an apartment or a house or something that's my own. And so 2021 is really about feeling like home again. And I had to think about what that looks like in terms of relationships for me and in terms of actually calling in a partner and the only way that I could do that is if I actually put myself out there again but we're still in a a pandemic like I, I I mentioned this like maybe 10 minutes ago we're still in a pandemic so not everybody feels comfortable going out to the bars and right now dating apps are probably the best way to do it like there's I'm pretty sure there's high memberships now, you know, like, or high enrollment because people have no other way of meeting people. It's very difficult to meet people organically, especially by county, because it's not just by state, it's by county. So some counties have tighter restrictions than other counties. And even in the tri-state area, like some parts of the tri-state area have more restrictions than others. So no matter what, you kind of have to play by the rules of where that person is or where that person is coming from. And so dating apps right now just seem to be the best way to meet somebody. So if I was going to call in somebody into my life, I needed to be open to the idea of putting myself back on a dating app. But I also needed to actually put forth a conscious effort 
because in the past I haven't in in the past I've just shrugged them off uh, I've done mindless swiping I've done judgment like I am I I used to be kind of quick to judge I'm making an effort to not do that this time around I'm making an effort to actually pause and look at the person and think well is this somebody that I could actually potentially see myself going on a first date with at least you know is there enough in their profile that catches my interest like those kinds of things and so the goal for me this time around was to make a conscious effort to actually put myself out there to actually attempt to have conversations, to be patient, to not obsess, to not shut it down so quickly because I don't get the result that I want right away. And so I'm navigating that as best as I can right now. But what I will say that's the most interesting so far is the app that I'm using has this new feature where... Every day they, so, they select profiles that have like the most, that are like the highest potential match for you. And whether that's based on your preferences or they pull out like certain keywords or phrases that come up in the answers to your questions, um, they pretty much like give you a handful of people daily that fit that higher standard, so to speak. And it's very bachelor, bachelorette, because in these group, in this group of candidates, we're going to just use that word because we might as well. So in this group of candidates, you can actually give a rose. And it's so weird. And so I was looking at that group yesterday and there was nothing like there was nothing that caught my eye or nobody that caught my eye so I was just like all right whatever like pass on this and then today I pulled up that same list or that you know that that same feature and there was like actually a couple of them that I was like oh okay I kind of like what I see and I kind of like your profile and I it got down to two and I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is where it gets to be pressure. And now I, I now kind of get like this whole, will you accept this rose thing? Because honestly, the bachelor bachelorette shows annoy the shit at me. Like I don't watch them. I think it's like a ridiculous concept and not because I don't like dating stuff, you know, it's, it's because I feel like it's not portrayed properly you know I feel like the contestants are either portrayed as desperate or as people who just can't find love and they need help of a tv show and then the can't like the competitors some of them come off desperate some of them come off rude some of them come off um like just like as playing mind games like it just all sometimes seems like a game and that they're not taking it seriously. But we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. And also, like, you're on TV, so you don't have that intimacy. And when you're one 
person with like 25 contestants, like you're not going to get that quality time. You're not going to get that intimacy. You're not going to get that connection because you have to really give 25 people a chance, you know, essentially you have to give 25 people a chance. Um, and then you have to narrow it down from there and so on and so forth. So just the whole concept of it bothers me and I'm not a fan. So the idea that this feature was on this dating app, I was like, oh no, like, what am I going to do? Like, do I actually give a rose to somebody? Do I hold on to it? Because you get one free and I think it renews on a weekly basis. If I'm not mistaken, I haven't fully read on the feature, but you get one free. And then if you want more, you kind of have to pay for them. You can get like three, six or nine. And I'm not paying for any roses. Like, I don't even want to pay for the premium and the membership. Like, it's not happening. Give me the free version. Give me the free rose. If I use it, I use it. If not, if not, like, I don't. So here I am looking at this small group of men. And I've narrowed it down to two that I actually was like, I might give a rose to one of these dudes. And I'm like, oh, I hate this. I hate the sound of, I might give a rose to somebody. It just cringed me out. But what was even worse is the thoughts that come after, right? Like, what if I give the rose to this person and they don't match back? Or what if I give the rose to the wrong person? Or what if I should have given it to like this person instead? And in like that moment, there's just like this little bit of pressure on yourself to feel like you want to pick the right one, knowing that you only have that one rose and hoping to like high heaven and back that the person matches with you or is interested enough to accept the rose. It's so weird. So weird. Um, but that's my take on the dating app and that's where I am currently and I'm taking it slow and just exploring the situation but I, I do find certain things and certain elements and certain aspects of it interesting and others are just way out of my comfort zone and I was like I don't know if I want to do this and I will also say I may have had like a mini anxiety attack while creating my profile because this is something that I haven't done in two years like I haven't had a dating app in two years and so for me to just be like, oh, let's do this again. My hands were shaking. Like I just overthought all the answers and I like overthought the profile. And once I completed the profile, I was like, I'm done. I don't think I could do this. I can't look at this for like the rest of the night. So it's definitely going to be something that I have to push past my comfort zone and again, be conscious and make an actual effort this time around. But I'm excited. I will say that I am actually excited and hopeful. So we'll see how that goes. And now that we've caught up on all the fun things that's happened in the last three days, because I mean, shit, life happens and it hits you hard, right? Um, the the purpose of this episode or the topic of this episode was all things that break. And I wanted to talk about this because there's just so many levels 
to this conversation. And it came up when I was talking to my therapist about the situation where my trust was broken and where, you know, somebody who I cared about deeply um, just kind of like turned away from me. And I remember telling her about it and she said that it's essentially a breakup. And I was just like, oh, God. Because breakups are hard and breakups are a touchy subject and breakups mean healing is required and pondering is required and breakups mean going within and you end up in a situation where you're trying to figure out who's to blame, right? Who's to blame? Who's to blame in this breakup? Why did these two people separate? Why can, why are they no longer communicating? So when you're talking about a breakup, you're talking about a split between two people. So it got me thinking because I was like, but you know, guess it's a breakup, I guess, essentially. But at the same time, it's like, I was invested And yet, the actions in this situation were just not, first of all, they weren't what I was expecting of the person. And second of all, they don't align with what I want in my, in my circle, you know, and I may never get the answers as to why the situation happened. I may never get the answers as to why this person chose to do what they did. But all I know is that those actions are not in alignment with my values. Those actions are not in alignment with the level of energy that I need from another person in my life whether it's a friend, a significant other, like I require a certain amount of energy because I give a certain amount of energy and I gave a lot of energy to this person, a lot of energy, a lot of time and a lot of energy. So much so that those moments of burnout was because I was trying to be there not only for this person, but other people as well. And I let my, I sacrificed my energy and my mental health to make sure that other people were okay in a time where we were just surrounded by depression and anxiety like I was feeling it from all corners of the earth from friends from family from you know co-workers and you feel it you feel it and you know it's there and I'm sitting there and I'm like if I don't help these people I'm gonna start to feel it But yet, as I was helping these people, I felt it anyway. And my anxiety started to creep back in. And my depression started to creep back in. To the point where I lost control of my own sanity. So to say that I sacrificed time and energy is valid. It's truthful. It's honest. 
so it comes down to if I'm going to give that amount of time and energy to a, to that person, I'm not saying that I expect them to give it completely back to match my energy, but I'm saying that there's a bare minimum. There is a bare minimum that I require at this point, and that person was not going to meet that anymore, which means that person is no longer in alignment with me. And as much as I care about them, and as much as I want the best for them, and I wish them the best, I also feel burned by it, and I, and I felt hurt by it. So I don't know what the future holds. You know, like, yes, friendships can be repaired. Yes, I place a tremendous value on my friendships. But this is a situation where I honestly don't know what the outcome is going to be. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if we can be friends again. And so that's what I have to contend with. So when my therapist said that, I was kind of like, no, because then that means I have to actually think about these things and process those feelings and process the hurt and the pain and process the loss. And I don't want to grieve anymore. I'm tired of being stuck in patterns where I have to grieve over somebody who could not give me the time and energy that I gave them. I can't do it anymore. And so that was the conclusion to that. But breakups are hard. Friendship breakups are hard. And I kind of feel like the friendship breakups are sometimes harder than actual relationship breakups because you... You trust this person with secrets that you probably don't tell your family. You trust this person. And here's, here's another thing. Every friend in your life brings something different to the table. Because every person in your life, serve, like, they provide something different that you need. You may have a friend that provides that sense of security. You may have a friend that provides spontaneity in your life. You could also have a friend who's a little bit more of, like, the rule breaker and teaches you to, like, live outside the comfort zone or to just break the rules every once in a while, which we're going to talk about. Um, You may have the friend that is by the book and, you know, organized and structured and likes to plan things. Every single one of your friends in your life, every single person that is in your life serves a purpose and there's a reason for them being there for you. So when you lose a friend, when you break up with a friend, you're losing that aspect of your life. So like you could be losing the loving aspect you could be losing an emotional aspect you you could be losing the spontaneity aspect and then your life becomes dull and boring you could be losing the laid back and carefree aspect like for me this is why the friendship breaks breakups are hard you know it's almost like you lose a part of yourself because your friend reflects a certain part of you that 
you know is like deep down inside, but you you can only show it with that person. But at the same time, significant other like relationships can also be very hard in that same manner because when you're with somebody, when you have a significant other, your significant other is ideally supposed to accept all parts of you, right? They're supposed to be that one person that embodies the qualities of all your friends put together, you know, that they embody all those qualities that they like, the spontaneity, the love, the safety, the security, the laughter, the energy, the structure, the carefreeness, the wild side, like the emotion. They're supposed to embody all of those things, you know? So maybe relationship breakups are harder. Needless to say, none of it is easy. I don't think any of it is easy, you know? Um, And it also depends on the person. It also depends on that person's values and and that person's capacity to heal. Like, I've always been the type of person who could heal from relationships pretty quickly. But friendship breakups? Those fucking suck for me. Like, those, I, I tend to feel those a little more. I had a friendship breakup where the person actually said I was a bad friend. And I like to this day, I'm just like, really? Because I can't believe it. And if you know me, and if you've listened to this podcast, Like, I don't seem like the type of person that would be a bad friend because I hold tremendous space for people. So bad friend and me just don't seem to go together. But this person called me a bad friend. Like, March 2019, I had made a plan with this person and he said, I want to save up for a vacation. Like, a one-week vacation. I want to go to an island, like a beach vacation, and just a full getaway, a girl's vacation. Strictly girls, no guys, no relationships, no nothing, just two, like every night is a girl's night type of thing. Beach, sun, drinks, girl's night, just that was the type of vacation that I wanted. That was the vibe that I wanted two people carefree on an island or multiple people, like depending on how many people we were able to get together. Um, But it ended up being a plan for just us two. And right, it was like a month before the actual vacation, my friend started dating someone. She started seeing someone. I think it was like a month. Yeah. Or I want to say a month before, maybe a couple weeks before the vacation. She started seeing somebody. And this particular friend, we had a friend breakup before already as it was. And we had like just started being in each other's lives again. So that's why I was even more excited about this situation. And I was like, oh my God, I got like my one of my friends back. I missed her. And we get to be able to have like those long, deep conversations again. And we're going on a girl's vacation. Super excited. And she ends up with a boyfriend. Like. Yeah, I think it was about a month before our vacation. But not only that, that was when one of my exes, or when my ex, I should say, I shouldn't say one of my exes, 
when my ex that I hadn't seen in like seven years, no, five years at that point, I hadn't seen him in five years and he came home like to New York because he had moved. That was kind of the reason why we were, we are no longer together because he got up on a plane and went to the other side of the country. And I talked about that in my ghosts episode and also in my love karma episode. Really? Um, so that was fun. He came back to New York and we got together with the intention of getting closure. That's the other thing about breakups, right? If you don't get closure, it's really hard to move on from them. So I love how this story kind of brings two elements of breakups together. So with the breakup of that relationship, I never got closure with him. He basically got up on a plane, moved to the other side of the country, didn't say goodbye, didn't let me know he was going. And I found out through his brother and he was just like fucking gone. And I was like, oh, so this is how that that works, right? This is how the relationship ends. You know, never mind the fact that we were together almost two years. Now, he's going to get up on a plane and go. Cool. But it wasn't cool. It destroyed me for seven years. Seven years. Five years. Um, I spent five years hoping that there was a chance that we could somehow find our way back to each other. Seven years it took me to finally give that dream up. To finally let go and be like, no, this isn't going to happen at all. And I don't want it to anymore. Like, after that meeting, I just realized that no matter what happened, no matter the timing... And even if we did get a second chance at it, I still don't think he would be able to open up the way that I needed him to. And not only that, my needs have changed so much to the point where I don't even think we want the same things anymore. So it wasn't going to work. But it took me seven years to get to that point. So... That month before, she started seeing someone, and I had this meeting with my ex where it was supposed to be about closure, and we were supposed to just be like, I'm sorry, I was stupid, we were young, we didn't know better, I really did care for you, I really did mean it when I said I love you, like, just to get the closure, just to kind of be like, yes, the feelings were real. Yes, the relationship was real. Yes, everything was real. You can at least walk away knowing that that was real. And that's all I really wanted. I wanted to know, was it real? And did that person mean what they said? But that's not how the night went. What ended up being said was, I still have feelings for you. And, you know, like, if things were different and I wish this and I was just like, no, 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 this is not the conversation we're supposed to be having. 
only for this person to ghost me again and say that it was too much. Well, you opened the door. We had one goal, one goal, closure, and you reopened the door. So I was dealing with that. And when you, when you're faced with a situation where you get the opportunity for closure and you don't get the closure and you feel like you're feeling the pain of that relationship all over again, the last thing you want is to go on a vacation with someone who is gung-ho about a brand new fucking relationship. And I told her that I'm happy for her. And I, and I meant it. I was happy for her. But I also said, proceed with caution. Because she is very much like me with the big heart, the bleeding heart, the hopeless romantic. And with that comes being susceptible to falling really quickly. And I didn't want to see that happen for her to end up with her heart broken and end up in a breakup situation. So I said, proceed with caution. But then the whole vacation became about her boyfriend. Oh my God, I had so much fun doing this. I wish I could do this with my boyfriend. Oh my God, I have to bring my boyfriend back. Oh my God, this, my boyfriend, that, my boyfriend, this, my boyfriend, that. And I said, can you do me a favor? This vacation was supposed to be about us. This was supposed to be about a girl's vacation. We had agreed that there was going to be no boyfriends. There was going to be no guys. It was just going to be me and you and the, and the beach and some drinks and some island fun. I'm happy for you. But with everything that has gone on recently, I really want this time to be separate from all that has happened to keep my mind off of all that has happened and I said to her so I would appreciate it if you stopped talking about your boyfriend when I went to Portland about a couple of weeks later I was at an event um, with my mentor and I like, it was like a reunion with some of my friends I got a message from that friend where she said I was a bad friend and she said that I was jealous of her new relationship and that she doesn't understand why I couldn't be happy for her. And I was like, wait, what? Are you kidding me? So I told my group of friends what happened while we were on that vacation and they all said, you had every right to ask her to not speak of her boyfriend, especially because you were going through what you were going through and you needed that time away from relationships and away from the stress of that world. Thank you, friends, for being so freaking understanding. I love them. But I got called a bad friend. And I remember at the end of that weekend conference, they actually had moments where they were like, oh, like, you know, we're going to give people a mic to like say how they felt about this weekend. And it was the last day that I had gotten that message about being a bad friend. So I raised my hand 
and I actually got the mic and I was like, I got called a bad friend today. And every single head in that room turned in my direction to hear what happened because I spent the weekend with these women and they were like, all so wonderful. And they were like, you're so awesome. And I'm so like happy to like have met you. And I was super excited. I was in such amazing energy that weekend. And I was like, I got called a bad friend. And every single one of them were like, what? And I explained the story. And I can't tell you how many people came up and hugged me after I said that story. And we're just like, you stated a need. You stated a boundary. You stated and you and you made and you made a request and she couldn't honor that request. So that's not on you. So that was the friend breakup. That was a uh, you know. It it was just weird how the person that I broke up with you know, my relationship breakup and the friend breakup all just reared its ugly little head on the same, you know, the same like year, the same two month span, basically. So it was an interesting time. But breakups are hard. There's no easy way to navigate a breakup. There's no easy way to process the emotions and a lot of the times you're going to feel every single emotion there is you're going to feel anger you're going to feel sadness you're going to feel hurt you're going to feel laughter because you're going to think back to a memory and start laughing and you don't know why because you hate the person you're going to hate them you're going to love them you're going to want them back you're going to want to never see them again and it's a roller coaster and if you haven't felt that roller coaster, lucky you. But it's a roller coaster. And I'm pretty sure that if you think you haven't felt it, you probably did. You just didn't acknowledge the, the downs. Or maybe you didn't acknowledge the ups and all you felt was downs. But it's a roller coaster nonetheless. And it sucks. Um, so yeah, that's my take on breakups. But then there's just, I mean, the idea of breaking, right? Like we're just, it's not even just about like breakups. It's about everything that breaks. Scientifically speaking, because I actually Googled this. Scientifically speaking, breaks require force. And if any of you out there are math geeks, you know that there's a whole formula for force. You also know that there's a whole formula for like tension, which requires the amount of force applied by the body to the actual thing causing it to break. And so what causes this, the break is not always the force, but the tension or something like that. But there's a mathematical formula for how things break. <clears throat> So I started to think about this mathematical formula and I started to think about the idea of tension and I realized that that was so prominent or like the idea can be applied to mental breakdowns and emotional breakdowns because those are other forms of breaking. 
In fact, sometimes mental breakdowns and emotional breakdowns happen as a result of a breakup. But the tension that leads to the breakdown. When I saw the word tension, I was just like, it makes sense, right? Like when you hear the quote, oh, tensions are rising or, oh, the, the, the tension is heavy. You can cut the tension with a knife. And you think about that moment. And you think about the weight, right? Because I think tension is weight. Yeah. So like the weight of somebody's body and the force or something. Again, I Googled it, but I forgot what it is. But it has to do with like weight and force and gravity um, and speed, I think, also plays a part into it. Like the direction also plays a part, like all of it. There's just a whole mathematical formula for all of it. Don't quote me on any of this stuff, but there is a mathematical formula. And so I was thinking about like the tension, right? You feel the tension, you know, when the break is coming, you know, when the breakdown is coming because you feel the tension in your body, you feel the tension in your mind, you feel the weight and the gravity of it. And it starts pulling you down. And that was a lot of what I was feeling in the last couple of months when I was going through like these emotional and mental issues I was feeling the weight of the world I was feeling the weight of everybody else's tension because that's what anxiety does it causes tension that's what depression does it causes tension it causes tension in the body it causes tension in the way a person talks to you like you could hear it in their tone you can see it in their body language you can feel it in their energy there's so much tension there and when you have your own tension that's one thing right so for me, I currently weigh 139 pounds. So can you imagine 139 pounds of tension? And then let's say that I'm feeling the tension of my brother. My brother weighs about the same that I do. So we'll put him at like 140 also. That's 140 and 140. We're going to round up. That's 280 pounds of tension. And then let's say you add another friend and your friend is like a buck 70. So 280 plus 170, that's 450 pounds of tension. And that is just physical mathematics. That is mathematics, basic like mathematics, plain and simple. Can you imagine 450 pounds of tension? And can you imagine when the weight gets too heavy for a 140 pound person to bear. So for me, a little person like myself, I can't carry 450 pounds. I can't hold that amount of weight. I My body will not hold that amount of weight. So all that's going to do is create excess force to the point where physically I would break. So now imagine energetic tension because energy also carries weight in fact there are some people who will tell you that sometimes shifting your energy can shift your weight like releasing energy that's not serving you meditating um 
and consciously releasing that energy and that tension from your body can help you lose like up to a pound or some people have actually lost you know like 10 pounds just by shifting their energy i've i've heard people talk about energy in terms of weight loss and i've seen it myself sometimes because there are times where I consciously make an effort to say, this energy is no longer serving me. Get rid of it. Release it. I don't want it. It's not mine. Goodbye. I want it off my body because it's somebody else's energy, somebody else's tension. It's not mine. So energetically to hold on to someone else's tension, somebody else's energy, somebody else's weight, the weight that's on their shoulders, the weight of their world, and you're holding on to it because you're trying to hold space for them. You're again putting yourself in the position for that mental breakdown, for that emotional breakdown, for that energetic breakdown. And that's what was happening. I was depleting my energy because I was trying to hold up what was too heavy for me. And breakdowns are no picnic either. Breakups are no picnic. Breakdowns are no picnic. Like, they all suck. They're all terrible. None of it feels good whatsoever. And all of it does damage. And some of the damage may be physical, you know? Like, when it comes to breakups and break down the physical damage can be displayed through tears and and crying and the weight loss and um you know a person not being able to get up and do the things that they would normally do because they don't have the energy or the capacity to anymore their eyes get puffy from all the crying uh skincare is lacking and they just look tired and worn and you see it physically their eyes just become kind of glassy. Like there's so many symptoms that can happen as a result of the breakups and the breakdowns, but that's just the physical. That's just what we see. We don't see what goes on in the head and the heart. We don't see a person struggling with the day-to-day effort to just get up out of bed. We don't see the times where they're fine one minute and the next they're they've lost all control of everything and they're just weeping and sobbing uncontrollably we don't see the attempts that they're making to make themselves breakfast or dinner and then just not being able to eat it putting the energy into making your meal and then you're just like i can't even eat this we don't see the pain that's in their hearts. We don't see the fact that their stomach is in knots every time they see or hear that person's name or just think about moments and memories and the time lost and the time spent and the energy lost and the energy spent. We don't see those things. We don't see the heartbreaking. We don't see the gut-wrenching, the stomach-turning. We can't see all that but we know that it's there and we know that it's happening. Can you imagine seeing a heartbreak 
what does a heartbreak look like? Right? Like, and not just like a heartbreak, like, oh my God, that person's crying and is sad all the time. Like, no. Can you think and imagine what it would physically look like to feel that type of pain in your heart? Because the heart is a very strong muscle, right? So can you imagine trying to pull apart a heart, trying to break a heart? It's a lot of pain, physically. So think about how much pain that is emotionally. That's a lot. So yeah, breakdowns suck as much as breakups. But there is a type of break that is not always so bad. And that's when we break the rules. And yes, breaking the rules can have negative consequences. But sometimes I'm talking about like the societal rules that we implement on ourselves. The expectations that we set for ourselves. The The things where we tell ourselves we shouldn't do or society tells us that we shouldn't do. But they're more like suggestions rather than the rules, right? And especially when it comes to dating and relationships, there are so many rules. And I've gotten to the point where it's just like, break them all. Break the fucking rules. All these gurus out there that they tell us like, oh, like my favorite rule. And by favorite, I mean it's my least favorite rule. I hate it to know when and back. Is when you meet somebody and they're like, oh, well, you shouldn't text that person for the first three days. Let them come to you. Why? Why wait three days for somebody that you're genuinely interested in? If I have to wait three days for you to text me, I'm giving you my power. But that also sets the tone in the relationship for validation, power, and control. I actually actually wrote this down because I had thoughts on it one day. I was just so mad thinking about it. So the three-day tax rule creates this dynamic where there's like a struggle for that validation, that power and control, which can actually be harmful in a relationship. If you set the tone for a woman to seek validation by waiting on you for the first three days, you'll set this tone throughout the entire relationship, right? Because the the tone that you set in the beginning is usually the tone that carries throughout unless you find a way to break that pattern early on. But then on the other hand, as women, when we wait for that text message we give the men the power and control to dictate what happens next and when it happens and we shouldn't give them that much because then it offsets the balance of power once the relationship gets started you may not be able to restore that balance by setting the tone that it's okay to wait so I was never fond of that rule. In my opinion, if you like the person and you want to text the person, text the person. 
plain and simple. Don't wait three days. Don't wait a couple hours. If you're available, you're available. If you want to text them right away, text them right away. There is no rule when it comes to that. And I'm tired of playing by that rule. So I say break it. Break it, smash it, let it go, drop it, don't do it. Whatever you want, break that rule. And then another rule that I absolutely also think needs to be broken is the let him make the first move rule. Because this rule creates an assumption that all men are bold and brave enough to make the first move. They're not. Not all men are. And it also completely ignores the introverts and puts them in uncomfortable situations where they feel forced to make the first move. This can result in them fumbling for words or coming off as awkward and thereby creates shame and humiliation, which are awful for men. But not only that, if introverted men like that feel put in that position often enough where they're always required to make the first move, it's going to create feelings of resentment. Because they're going to feel so out of their comfort zone so many times. They're going to feel that shame and that helplessness and that awkwardness that they're going to grow tired of feeling that way, of feeling like shit. Because it really feels uncomfortable for them. It's not a good feeling. Just think about how you feel when you're outside your comfort zone. Putting introverted men in a situation where you expect them to constantly make that first move, knowing that it's putting them outside their comfort zone, is only creating a dynamic for them to resent you. Which again, not healthy for a relationship. So as a woman, know your audience. And again, I say this because I personally am a heterosexual person, so I... And, you know, speaking like man-woman relationships. But again, this is an overall human dynamic. Um, so this can be applied to human dynamics. So I do apologize for using the man-woman examples. But that is through my experience. That is how I have experienced it. But again, this is a human dynamic. So person to person. Um, so basically, what it comes down to is Know your audience. Some people won't make the first move, but it doesn't make them any less of a person. Some men won't make the first move, and it doesn't make them any less of a man. And I'm not saying that it's up to us to make the first move, us, to, us as women. If you feel comfortable doing so, then do so. And if you do make the first move, if you are in a male-female relationship and as a woman you make the first move, please do not hold it over, your, over their head that you did it. If you want an introvert to make the first move, make him feel safe and com comfortable. I can't even read my own handwriting. Make him feel safe and comfortable enough to do so. Time and attention goes a long way. So I definitely think that that's another move that needs to be broken. The who makes the first move rule. Like, ugh, do away with it, please. Just break it. Break that rule. Let it go away. 
I think, I think I've exhausted the breaks, right? Or I think I've gone through most of the important breaks. I mean, yeah, there's like broken bones in the body and I, but I don't have any fun stories about that. I don't think I've actually, no, I've never broken anything. I've sprained some stuff. I had a really bad sprained ankle, but I never actually broke anything. So I don't have any cool cast stories or any like broken bones that I can tell you about. So unfortunately, this is all I got for you. Um, also, I really hope I don't jinx myself now because I never want to break anything. It just sounds painful. Again, goes back to that mathematical, you know, um, formula of like force and tension and also, like, if you think of certain things breaking and you hear that snap, like, oh, God, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Nope, just not for me. Um, so that's a wrap for today's episode of the Motivation Burrito. And yeah, breakups, breakdowns, break the rules break everything not everything like don't break bones in your body please but you know break the things that are meant to be broken break the rules that are meant to be broken and also breakdowns and breakups they suck they happen they suck um but we navigate them and even though they're not always easy you have me and I will you know obviously lend an ear be a shoulder to cry on. It's life. <laughs> it's never going to be just the way we think it's going to be. Friendship breakups are going to happen. Relationship breakups are going to happen. What it does is it shows you how much you care about a person. It, it shows you your capacity to love. And that's really the magic behind it because You gave that person your time and energy. You gave them a gift. Consider your time and energy a gift. And I think that's what's helped me in this most recent recent situation. I am not holding resentment towards that person. I'm not saying like, oh, I sacrificed everything for you. Like, um, you gave me nothing. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is, you know... I gave you time and energy because I felt that you deserved it. I felt that you were worthy of my time and energy and I was willing to give it to you. And it shows that I have the capacity to give that to somebody who does deserve it. And that when I do find the person who is willing to give that same time and energy back to me, that's when I know I'll have found my person. And of course, I'll be willing to give them more. Um, so consider it a gift. You know, know that if you gave your if you gave somebody that time and energy and that effort, know that at the time it was because you felt that they deserved it, and they do. Don't take that away from them. Don't devalue them because they broke your heart. Because then all of all it's going to do is keep you in this perpetual cycle of pain and you don't need that. Honor the time. Honor the experience. And just know 
that at some point you did all you could do and it was up to them and they just did not have the capacity to give you back what you gave them. And so it became a gift. Now that is officially a wrap for today's episode. This has been the Motivation Burrito. Have a great weekend. I am your host, Melissa. You can follow me on Instagram at the Motivation Burrito. If you want to follow my personal Instagram, it's at Melissa underscore five self. And I'll see you all next time.